Luke chapter 17, the Gospel of Luke, uh, starting in uh, verse 11. Starting in verse 11. Um, by the way, it's great to see you guys. It's always strange to look out and see a bunch of masks. I mean, if you saw from my perspective, you'd, maybe you'd freak out a little bit. So I'm, I'm assuming that everyone has a huge smile on their face because that helps me too, you know. Even if you're not, if, even if you're not I'm going to assume that you are. Um, and it's really good to see you guys. Such, such a privilege to be here, uh, to be able to bring the Word of God. And so Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, it says this. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, as they went, as they went, this wasn't a regular uh, miracle. It was, it was a miracle that was a progression. So they took a step of faith. They started walking toward the priest, and the healing started happening as they responded to what Jesus had asked them to do, which is very interesting. Jesus asked, then one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked this person, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This morning I want to talk about the topic of, of gratitude, of gratitude. This is such an important topic because in the midst of everything that we're going through, it is so easy for us to fall into focusing on all the things that may be negative in our life and forget about how important it is to present ourselves just like this person who was healed, and just thank Jesus. All right, so uh, we're on a series called Healthy Church, Healthy Church. And we're, we're talking about the whole idea of the health of the church and why it is so important for our church to be healthy spiritually. And, and we've been using a parallel between the health of your body and the health of the church. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about that we're the body of Christ. And so in the same way that, that you take care of your own body, you get enough sleep, you try to eat healthy, you know, you exercise, you do all these things, or at least some of us, we try to because it's not always easy. The same is true uh, for us spiritually. So the health of the church is important, and there's certain things that we need to do uh, as a body to be able to be a healthy church. Now, one of the things that's important to understand is that when we talk about the health of the church, we're not talking about something foreign like this, this separate entity that we need to take care of because the church is us. So we, as if we're healthy uh, individually, we are going to be healthy collectively. So this series is really about you and about me and about finding uh, health in our spirituality as we go along. And so we've been talking about different things that are essential uh, for us to be healthy individually. And the one thing that we talked about uh, the first week was about prayer. You guys remember? We talked about prayer. And we talked about the whole idea that prayer isn't really about getting God to do your will, but it's really about you positioning yourself to be able to do the will 
of God. That was week one. And then the next week, uh, we talked about grace. And we talked about the definition of grace, and we explained what grace was. But then we discovered that uh, for us to be able to really understand what grace is, we don't have to just be able to articulate it, like give a perfect definition of what grace is. The evidence of us really understanding what grace is, is our ability to be able to extend grace to those who don't necessarily deserve it because that's what Christ did for us. And today, I want to talk about gratitude. Gratitude, man, this is so, so important. And to, to, to sort of uh, set this up, I want, to, I want to tell a joke. I'm not a great joke teller, and so my, uh, my kids are probably going to cringe when I, try to, when I attempt this, but, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So there's this, there's this scientist and God. So scientist and God, and then the scientist uh, was getting really arrogant because it's like, hey, we don't really need you anymore because we can clone people, you know, we can do transplants and all this kind of stuff, and so I don't think we don't really have that much use for you Anymore, and so God says, "Well, okay, fine. Let's do let's do a test. So we're going to do a competition uh, of creation, okay? And so uh, we're going to do it old school, like the way that I created Adam. And so you'll give it a shot, and then I'll give it a shot. And so the scientist said, "Okay, I'll give it a shot." And so he he grabs a bunch of dirt, and then God says, "No, no, no, wait, 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 not so fast. You get your own dirt." All right, so the first point that I want to make, and the reason why I'm sharing that, is because we have to understand that everything that we have. We have received from God. Sometimes we think that, that we do these things because, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to focus on that and I'm going to get this done. And we tend to sort of take the credit for it because it's a result of all of your work, forgetting that all of the elements that you use to be able to get where you're at were given to you from God. And so this is so important. And now, I want to sort of set up the story, uh, set up the, the, the message with a, with, a little, with a little story. Not a story, it's actually kind of a situation. So my wife and I, we've been married for 17 years. And in 17 years, you get to know someone pretty well. You know what they like, you know what they don't like, you know what conversations you need to steer clear from, right? And so one of the things that, that my wife doesn't like, she doesn't like being compared to anyone. Okay, and so I've made the mistake to compare with people. Hey, you're just like this person, you're just like that person. And I've learned quickly that one of the people that I should never, ever compare her to is her mom. You never say, you're just like your mom. I learned that very early in our relationship. And so um, her mom, she, she passed away about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago. And uh, she was just, she was fantastic. She was great. So I never understood really why she wouldn't want to be compared to her mom. But anyway, one of the things that her mom would always do, this is so funny because she had a white car. And so she was very distracted, as, as I, I am too. So we had that in common. She would walk out of like a mall and she would literally go to the first white car that she saw and she would try to open it. And my wife would see her and she's like, mom, mom. And she's like, what? That's not your car. And then she would go over to her car. So anyway, Fast forward a few years, uh, this was about two months ago, uh, my wife and I were walking out of Target, and she has, she has a black uh, Kia Sorento, and so we're walking out, and I'm a little bit distracted, I'm on my phone, and then she goes, and I'm walking toward the car, and she's, she's not with me, and I look back, and she's opening up this random black car. She literally got the door open, and she was proceeding to enter, and I'm like, Dunny, what are you doing? And she looks back, that's not our car. I had to bite my tongue. I so wanted to say what I was thinking, but I have learned since. And so the reason why I share that story is because she thought that it was her car. There was every indication from her perspective that that was her car. 
and she thought that it was hers. And so I think that the same thing can be true in our lives. And this happens because we think that things are ours because they, there's every indication that they're ours. And so we have the things in our life, the blessings in our life, the people around us, the successes that we've had, the things that we have achieved, and we assume that the things that we have are ours. But the scripture clarifies that these things are actually gifts from God. And I know that we understand this, but I really hope that we get this into our heart because when we really understand that everything that we have comes from God, it will change us from the inside out. James 1.17 says this very clearly. It says, every good and perfect perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 talks about this whole idea of uh, the things being from God for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not? And so that's literally the first point that I just want to make. I just want to say everything that we have we have received from God. Now, what's the, what's the sort of opposition toward this? Like, why, why, do, why would we even resist this ever to, to just acknowledge that everything that we have, we've received from God? Well, I think that it's, it's possible that when we give all the glory to God, we may think that by giving all the glory to God, we are lessening our involvement in the process of getting the blessings that we have. In other words... Have you ever seen someone who tries to take credit for something that someone else did? It's kind of, it's kind of tacky, right? It's, kind of, it's, it's a little bit gross, you know, because, because he didn't really do it, and then he's talking about how he did the whole thing, right? And then him, by trying to lift himself up, actually um, it does the opposite, because everyone else now thinks less of this person because he tried to lift himself up. Now, the opposite is also true. If a person who could take all the credit for himself gives the credit away saying, hey, actually, this was, this was really teamwork. This is not really about me. So he puts himself down, and the result of that is that actually everyone else thinks more of this person. So it's this whole upside-down kingdom mentality to where you put yourself down to be lifted up, right? And so when we talk about the gifts that we've received, the blessings that we have from God, we really should do this because it will free us up to be able to actually live and actually understand who we are and who God is. And so I've been thinking about this this week, that some of us are here and maybe we're carrying a weight. We're carrying this weight and maybe we don't understand what it is. Like I feel like this weight. And so it is possible that the weight that you're carrying, that you feel kind of bad about this weight that you're carrying, think of it like, like, like a saddlebag. It's got two sides to it, right? I think that one side is guilt, possibly, and then the other side is entitlement. Guilt and entitlement. And so the problem with these weights that we carry is that they both have to do with the things that we have, and on the one hand, we feel bad for what we have, but on the other hand, we feel like we deserve them. And both of these are weights that I hope this morning will be lifted. Let's talk about guilt first. Guilt is, a, guilt is, a, is, is one that's, that's a hard one. Guilt is a hard one. Because, because guilt is a terrible motivator for anything that has to do with our Christian walk. And I think that in church, there's always a temptation or a tendency, not in, the, not in this church, because this church is perfect, there's a tendency to, to use guilt as a tool to be able to get someone to do something, 
Has everyone, ever, anyone ever done that to you? Like they, they'll say, hey, I did this for you, I did that for you, I did this for your family, and thank you is never enough because they want you to feel guilty because they want to manipulate you into doing something that they want to be done for them. And so I think the same thing could be true even in church. I, I preached the message once, and I looked back at that message, and I'm like, I feel like the angle wasn't really correct because I feel like people feel guilty now. So I, ta- I was talking about, about giving, I was talking about tithing, and, I, and it was this whole idea, I don't think it was here, I don't think I preached that here with that angle, but I was talking about how we're the most rich people in the world, and how, you know, one cup of coffee can feed, you know, feed and clothe a, a kid, and then I was talking about just all these things that we should kind of feel guilty because of what we have, when that's not what God wants, and so there's this, this idea of guilt that we think that we have these things, and we're like, no, I feel bad about it, and I don't even want to talk to anyone about it, because, you know, I received everything that I have from God, but then I don't, like, I really don't feel like I should have this, because I shouldn't really enjoy it because if you're a Christian you shouldn't enjoy anything right so there's that angle of guilt and it's a weight and then there's the other side which uh, is entitlement which is the other side and it's and it's just as bad as the other one entitlement says I have what I have because I work for it and I deserve it and I should probably have more than what I have right and entitlement we can also fall into the same uh, mistake, but on the other side of the spectrum to where I'm saying, God has to bless me. He has to provide for me. He has to heal me. He has to do A, B, C because, you know, I'm blessed and I am favored and I'm all these things and, and I have to basically tell God what to do and if he doesn't do what I'm telling him to do, then, you know, either I'm practicing some sort of a sin or there's something wrong with my faith or I don't have enough faith and you guys, some of you guys know that, how, how that whole thing goes. And so it's, it's entitlement. And when I think about that, I think about the perspective of God. Like, how does God see us when we're feeling entitled and we're telling God, this is my right as a Christian. Like, I should have this because I'm a follower of you. What's God's perspective on that? Well, when I think about that, I think about, for example, my, my, my daughter Amy. If she came to me and she's like, Dad, buy me a donut. And I'm like, uh, maybe. No, buy me a donut now. Like, like I am declaring and I am proclaiming, and I am, and I am saying right now in this moment that that donut will be mine. What, how would I react to that? I might laugh, you know. I might think it's cute. I might, I might be offended. I don't know. But, but the point is, you can ask me, but you cannot tell me what to do because you're my daughter, and I want the best for you. And so that's the other side of this weight. It's entitlement. And it gives us a blurred perspective of the things that we have. And so we need to understand that, that, that we have been given things from God for our enjoyment. It literally says that in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Health, family, resources, food, all of these things. And we're not meant to, to receive these things with a feeling of guilt but we're not meant to receive these things either with a sense of entitlement. Because what does guilt say? Guilt says, you will, if, if, you're feeling, if you're feeling guilty, that means you're never going to enjoy what you have. And if you're feeling entitled, entitled then it's never going to be enough. So you can't live this life with these two weights. And so what I want to talk about this morning is that there's a third option which I think is what we learn in the story that we just read. There's this third option that will lift this weight and be able to understand how we're actually supposed to live our lives. Not in guilt, not in entitlement, but 
in gratitude. Let's just be grateful. Let's, let's be grateful for what God has given us. We are so blessed. And I think some of us sometimes don't feel that. We don't feel the blessing for whatever reason, comparison, or I don't know what it is, entitlement, I don't know. But we don't feel the blessing that we have. And so when I think about this scripture that we just read, and we, and we, we think about the story of these ten lepers that are, that are walking around in this hopeless life to where they had to be the ultimate social distance from everyone because they had to literally yell out unclean. They had to yell out lepers so that people would maintain the distance from them. They were outcast from everyone. And then they come to Jesus and they yell out in a loud voice. They say, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And then when Jesus sees them, what does he do? He sees them. And it's very interesting this is kind of material for another sermon, but, but he, said, he, says, he says, go show yourself to the priest. And the reason why he had to go, they had to go and show themselves to the priest is because the priests were the ones that would evaluate their skin and they would decide whether they had been healed or not or whether they had leprosy or they had some other type of disease. And so he says, go. And what's interesting to me is, is that the healing that took place for them was a, it was a pretty unique healing. It was, a, it was a pretty unique miracle because most of the miracles were instantaneous. Like walking on water, feeding of the 5,000, the healing, the resurrections. All these things were in the moment. But in this case, he says, go show yourselves to the priest. And then it says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. So Jesus gives an order. And they're like, I don't see any difference. But then they're like, let's just start walking and see what happens. And so they obey. They start walking and they start being cleansed. Which is interesting because maybe in your life right now, you're waiting for a miracle. You're waiting for a breakthrough. You're waiting for a relational situation that needs to be solved. And it's very possible that, that, that you're waiting for a miracle. But what Jesus wants to do in your life is an invitation into a process. So maybe there's a step that you need to take and that as you're walking toward the thing that you're praying for, that you're going to start to see resolution. It's a very interesting miracle. And so what happens? The 10 are healed. And how many go back to say thank you? Just one. One goes back. And he, and he goes to Jesus and he falls out to his feet and he yells in a loud voice and he starts thanking him. This is what I want us to see today. You see, they were all healed. They were all blessed. They all had received something from Christ that they did not necessarily deserve. And there's a parallel with all our lives too. You see, in humanity, you know, the, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5 says that he makes it rain over the just and the unjust. So everyone has received blessings from God. Every breath that you take is a blessing. Every... every uh, uh, mouthful of food that you eat it's a blessing from God it's all these things that that many people on earth have received but only few only few go back and acknowledge the person from who the blessing comes from so then this one person out of the 10 goes in front of Jesus and Jesus says the rhetorical question because he knows the answer to all the questions he says were not all 10 cleansed where are the other nine? Well, I don't know. It doesn't really give the answer. It says the other, the other nine, I guess, went back to their families. They wanted to tell everyone the news. They wanted to go to the priest and then go back to their normal lives, which is true for us as well. Many people don't acknowledge who is the one that sustains, that gives, that takes away, that blesses, and that allows for us to go through trials. 
And this is what I want us to do this morning, is to just acknowledge that what we have, we've received from God. So I think Luke adds this story, the story that we just shared about the ten lepers, because he was making a point for us to be able to understand the importance of gratitude. Gratitude will change your life. Being grateful. And it doesn't mean acting like nothing's wrong. It's where is your focus? Is it on the lack or is it on what you have that you've received from God? First Thessalonians 5.18 says this. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that it's an imperative. He's saying, do this. Be grateful. Give thanks. He's not saying give thanks for everything. That would be crazy. Give thank you for a problem or for an illness. No, give thanks in everything, through every situation. You can still find things that you have that God has blessed you with. You see, gratitude allows for us to to see things the way they really are, to understand that we are 100% dependent on God. Take a breath. That was a gift. And the next one is not a promise. Is it coming? I hope so. But it's up to God. Everything that we have, we have received from God. You see, living a life of gratitude will break the power of guilt and the power of entitlement and will allow for you to see life for what it really is. I don't want you to feel guilty for the blessings that you have. I certainly don't want you to feel entitled for what you have. I want us to be able to live a life of gratitude. So I'm going to end with this. And this is, I was saying earlier, sometimes when I talk and I'm preaching, I feel like my words get in the way of what it is that I want you to feel. And what I want us to feel this morning is that we will understand how important it is for us to focus on the positive, on the positive. You see, there's this person that I've been counseling for the past couple of months, and it's, it's a situation that if I told you, it'd be like, really? It's almost like, it's, it's almost like it can't be real. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. So she texts me this week, and her four-year-old daughter was, was tested positive uh, for the COVID-19. And it's like, oh, it's like, like my feeling, honestly, was just like, I don't even know what to say now. Because I'm, I'm saying, hey, just, just, just trust God. Just be faithful. Just continue. You know, life is good. Life is going to get better. The best is yet to come. All these things that I truly believe, but it's like almost like on top of everything, I'm, in my mind, I'm like asking God, like, what? Really? But the, what, what follows this is what amazes me. This is a text message that I got from her last week. I'm trying to find it here real quick. So she just told me about her daughter. Here it is. And she says, she says, just sitting here, counting my blessings. I, I, and then she starts, just, she's just starts naming everything, everything positive in her life. She's not, she's not saying that it's not real. She's saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to decide to focus on everything that God has done for me. And so this is what I want us to, to feel this morning, for us to understand that, that life is hard. We get that. Life is hard. But what's the alternative? Focus on the negative? Feel entitled? Like, God should bless me. 
Like, look at all I've done for him. Look, I come to church and I do all, I do A, B, C. Why, why, do, why does anything bad have to happen in my life? Which brings me to Philippians chapter 4, which I love these verses. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. It's like, thanks. You know, that's helpful, right? It's like when you're mad and somebody says, don't be mad. It's like, you're more mad now, right? Don't be anxious about anything, but listen to the, how it continues. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with Thanksgiving. Why is the Thanksgiving part so important? Because when we pray and we focus on the negative and we don't emphasize gratitude, our prayers can get very negative. So I wonder if we can start our days by making a list of the blessings and thanking God for them. Just start your morning. Wake up. Like, I know it's, hard, it's easy for me to see because honestly, I'm naturally like this. My wife knows. It drives her crazy. I'm a morning person. I'm like, hey, good morning, everybody. That's just the way I am. And I'll, I'll go out into my car and I'll look at the sun. I'm like, man, this is, this is going to be a, a great day. The day could be terrible. I don't know. But I feel that way in the morning. So that I know this, this, that this comes naturally to me. But I, I wonder, I wonder if when we wake up in the morning and we feel like, oh, my life is so, no, just stop and start counting your blessings. Counting your blessings. Family, your blessings, the fact that you have a house, the fact that you, that you can drive in a car, the fact that you can breathe. I mean, all these things that are good that doesn't eliminate the negative. I wonder if we can start that way. And here's the most important part. You see, this leper, this one leper who was healed of his leprosy falls at the feet of Jesus and starts thanking him. We've been healed in every way that anyone could ever be healed. We've been healed from our sin. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus of all of our sin. So that's where we start. Like we start with that amazing blessing. So life could be good, it could be bad, I get it. But we start with this miracle in our lives of salvation. So I wonder if we can wake up and remember that. And just like this leper fell at the feet of Jesus, that we can start off by just being grateful. Thank you, God, for your blessings. Thank you for another day. Thank you for my family. Thank you because I have a job. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then you pray, you, pray, you present your request, but it's with thanksgiving that will change everything. And so I want us to take a moment now, and uh, if you guys could just close your eyes and just bow your heads, and I'm going to say a few things, and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here this morning, and this is tough. Life is tough. There's things in your life that are not going the way you would want them to go. And it's hard for you to be grateful because you have genuine reasons to not be. And so if this is hard for you this morning, I, I, I recognize it. I don't want to downplay it. This is real. If you're going through something really hard right now and it's hard for you to be grateful, I just want to pray that you raise your, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Lord God, we thank you for these moments that we share. We recognize that it's hard sometimes to, to recognize that you have blessed us so much because life gets really hard sometimes. I just pray right now that we will be able to, to feel in our hearts that you're here, that you're present, that you care, that you're in control, that you have provided for us in so many ways, 
and that above everything, we have been cleansed in the most profound way that anyone could ever be cleansed. And I pray that we'll start there every day and that we will live a life of gratitude. We pray this and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. And so now we're going to come to our time of communion. It's always weird for me to just get this out of my pocket. It's, um, but we know that this, this is, this is a, a symbolic representation of what Jesus did for us. And so we've got, we've got two emblems here. We've got the bread on top. It's a little wafer. And then we've got the juice on the bottom. And the, we can take the first layer off here on the top. Just pull that back, and, and we're going to take the, uh, the wafer. And this, this represents the body of, of Christ, the body of Jesus that was broken for us. And so we're going to partake of this right now. It's good to see your faces. And now we're going to take the blood of Jesus. This is, a, this is grape juice, but it represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So let's partake of this. So I want to pray one more time. Lord God, I pray that this will never get old. I pray that this moment that we do every week will not get old. Because what you did on the cross for us was the ultimate blessing that anyone could ever receive. And we're grateful for that. And the reason why we take this is because we're, we're remembering what you did for us. And we're recognizing, Lord, that without this, our lives, our lives become strange. They become pointless. They become aimless. And you have forgiven us and you have cleansed us, and we thank you for that, Lord. I pray that we'll live lives of gratitude, just thanking you every day that, that, that our lives will be a reflection of the gratitude that we feel for this sacrifice. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.